Section 32, Volume 2 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night. Translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 2, Section 32. When it was the eighty-eighth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Sharkan asked his brother Zau al Makan, Hast thou requited the fireman for his kindness? And he answered, O my brother, I have not rewarded him as yet, but in Salah. I will recompense him when as I return from this raid, and find time so to do. Therewith Sharkan was certified that his sister, Nusat al-Saman, had told him the whole truth, but he concealed what had passed between them, and offered his salutation to her by her husband the Chamberlain. She sent him back her greeting, calling down blessings on him, and inquiring after her daughter, Kutsia Fakan, to which she replied that the maiden was well, and in the best of health and safety whereupon she praised Almighty Allah, and gave him thanks. Then Sharkan went to his brother to take counsel with him for departure, and Zau al-Makan said, O oh, my brother, as soon as the army is complete and the Arabs have come in from all parts, we will march forth. So he bade make ready the commissariat and prepare munitions of war, and went in to his wife, who was now five months gone with child, and he put under her astrologers and mathematicians, to whom he pointed stipends and allowances. Then he set out three months after the arrival of the army of Syria, and as soon as the Arabs were come in, and the troops were assembled from all directions, and as he fared forth, he was followed by the warriors and the united host. Now the name of the general of the Dailam army was Rustam, and that of the general of the army of the Turks, Baram. And Sau so al-Makam marched in mid-host, and on his right was his brother Sharkam, and on his left the chamberlain, his brother-in-law. So the squadrons broke up and pushed forward, and the battalions and companies filed past in battle array till the whole army was in motion. They ceased not to fare on for the space of a month, and each body dismounted at its own ground, and there rested every week three days, for the host was great, and they advanced in this order till they came to the country of the Greeks. Then the people of the villages and hamlets and the poor sort took fright at them, and fled to Constantinople. But when King Afridun heard the tidings, he arose and betook himself to Tzat al-Dabahai, the same who had contrived the stratagem, and had travelled to Baghdad, and had slain King Omar bin al-Nu'uman, and who, after carrying off her slaves and Queen Sophia, had returned with them and all to her native land. Now when she had been restored to her son, the King of Greece, and felt herself safe, she said to King Hardub, 
Cool thine eyes, for I have avenged my blood, the shame of thy daughter Abrisa, and have killed Omar bin al-Nu'uman, and have brought back Sophia. So now let us go to the king of Constantinople, and carry to him his daughter, and acquaint him with what hath happened, that all of us be on guard and prepare our forces, and I will fare with thee to King Afridom, lord of Constantinople, for I opine that the Moslems will not await our attack. Said Hardub, Tarry thou till they draw near our country, that we may make us ready meantime and assemble our power. Accordingly they took to levying their forces and preparing for war. And when the news of the Moslems' advance reached them, they were prepared for defence, and Sat al-Dawahi had preceded them. Now when she and her son arrived at Constantinople, the king of kings, Afridon, hearing of the approach of Hardub, king of the Greeks, came forth to meet him, and asked how it was with him, and the cause of his visit. So Hardub acquainted him with the cunning doings of his mother Sat al-Dawahi, how she had slain the Moslem king, and recovered from him Queen Sophia, and had said, The Moslems have assembled their forces, and are on their way to attack us, wherefore it behoveth that we two join hands in single band and meet them. Now King Afridon rejoiced in the return of his daughter, and the killing of King Omar bin al-Nu'uman, and he sent to all countries seeking succour and acquainting the folk with the cause of slaying the Moslem king. So the Nazarene troops flocked to him, and three months were not passed ere the army of the Greeks was complete, beside which there joined themselves to him Franks from all their lands, French, Germans, and Ragusans, with men of Tsara, Venetians, Genoese, and all the hosts of the yellow faces. And when the gathering was at its full, earth was straightened on them by reason of their multitude. Then Afridon, the great king, ordered a march, so they set out, and ceased not to defile through the city for ten days. They fared on till they reached the wadi Heis al-Nu'uman, a broad-sided vale hard by the salt sea, where they halted three days, and on the fourth they were about to set out again, when news came that the army of al-Islam on them press, and the defenders of the faith of Muhammad of men the best. So they halted in it other three days, and on the eighth day espied a dust-cloud which towered till it walled the whole land. Nor was an hour of the day passed ere that dust began to drift, and was torn to shreds in the lift, and pierced through its shades the starry regions of lance and the white livy of blades. Presently there appeared beneath it the banners Islamitan, and the ensigns Mahometan. The horsemen urged forward, like the letting loose of seas that surged, clad in mail, as they were mackerel back clouds which the moon envil whereupon the two hosts clashed like two torrents on each other dashed. Eyes fell upon eyes, and the first to seek combat singular was the Wazir Dandan. He and the army of Syria, numbering thirty thousand bridles, and with him were the general of the Turks, and the general of Dailam, Rustam, and Baram, 
amid twenty thousand horse, behind whom came the men from the shores of the salt sea, clad in iron mail, as they were full moons that passed through a night overcast. Then the Nazarene host called out on Jesus and Mary, and the defiled cross, and they heaped themselves upon the Vasir Dandan, and those with him of the Syrian host. Now all this was in pursuance of a stratagem devised by that ancient woman Sat al-Dabahi, for before his departure King Afridun had gone in to her and asked her, How shall I do, and what plan shall I pursue? It is thou hast caused this great distress to us. And she had answered, O great king and mighty Cohen, I will teach thee a trick would baffle Iblis himself, though he summoned to his assistance all his grisly host. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the eighty-ninth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, all this was a stratagem of the ancient woman, for that the king before his departure had gone to her, and asked, How shall I do, and what plan shall I pursue? It is thou hast caused this great distress to us. And she had answered, O great king and mighty Cohen, I will teach thee a trick would baffle the devil himself, though he summoned to his assistance all his grisly hosts. It is that thou send fifty thousand men going down in ships, and sailing over the sea to the mountain of smoke, and there let them land, and stir not till the standards of al-Islam come upon thee, when do thou up and at them. Then bid the troops from the seaward sally out upon the Moslems, and take them in rear, whilst we confront them from the landward. So not one of them shall escape, and our sorrows shall tease and peace abide with us. Now the counsel of this ancient woman commended itself to King Afridun, and he replied, Right is the wrecking thou wreckest, O princess of wits and resource of kings and Cohen's wearing for their blood wit. So when the army of al-Islam came upon them in Chat Valley, before they knew it, the flames began to burn up the tents and the swords in men's bodies to make rents. Then hurried up the army of Baghdad and Khorasan, who numbered one hundred and twenty thousand horse, with Sat al-Makan in the front of war. When the host of the infidels that lay by the sea saw them, they sallied out against them, and followed in their tracks. And when Sau al-Makan espied this, he cried out to his men, Turn back to the infidels, O people of the chosen apostle, and slay those who deny and hate the authority of the compassionating, the compassionate. So they turned and fought with the Christians. Then Sharkan marched up with another corps of the Muslim host, some hundred thousand men whilst the infidels numbered nigh upon a thousand and six hundred thousand men. When the Moslems were united, their hearts were strengthened, and they cried out, saying, Verily, Allah hath promised us victory, and to the infidels hath assigned defeat. And they clashed together with sword and spear. Now Sharkan, 
tear through rank and row, and raged among the masses of the foe, fighting so fierce a fight as to make children grey grow, nor did he cease tourneying among the infidel horde, and working havoc among them, with a keen-edged sword, shouting, Allahu Akbar, Allah is most great, till he drove back the host to the coast. Then failed the force of the foe, and Allah gave victory to the faith of Al-Islam, and folk fought folk, drunken without strong drink, till they slew of the infidels in this affair forty and five thousand, while of the Moslems but three thousand and five hundred fell. Moreover, the lion of the faith, King Sharkan and his brother Sau al-Makan, slept not that night, but occupied themselves with congratulating their braves, and with looking to the wounded, and with assuring the army of victory and salvation, and promise of reward in the world to come. Thus far concerning the Moslem, but as regard King Aphrodon, lord of Constantinople, and sovereign of Rome, and Sat al-Dawahi, they assembled the emirs and the host, and said to them, Verily we had worked our will, and solaced our hearts, but our overconfidence in our numbers, and that only, defeated us. Then quoth to them the Ancient One, the Lady of Calamities, In very sooth not shall profit you, except ye draw you nigh unto the Messiah, and put your trust in the true belief. For by the virtue of the Messiah, the whole strength of the Moslem host lieth in that Satan, King Sharkan. Tomorrow, said King Afridon, I have resolved to draw up in battle array, and to send out against them that redoubtable cavalier Luka bin Shamlut. For if King Sharkan come forth as a champion to fight single-handed, our man will slay him, and will slay the other Moslem knights, till not one is left and I purpose this night to sacre you all with the holy incense. When the emirs heard these words, they kissed the ground before him. Now the incense which he designated was the excrement of the chief patriarch, the denier, the defiler of the truth, and they sought for it with such instance, and they so highly valued it that the high priests of the Greeks used to send it to all the countries of the Christians in silken wraps after mixing it with musk and ambergris. Hearing of it, kings would pay a thousand gold pieces for every dram, and they sent for and sought it to fumigate brides withal. And the chief priests and the great kings were wont to use a little of it as collyrium for the eyes, and as a remedy in sickness and colic. And the patriarchs used to mix their own skite with it, for that the skite of the chief patriarch could not suffice for ten countries. So as soon as dawn was seen, and the morning shone with its shine and sheen, the horsemen ran to their spears full keen, and King Afridun and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the ninetieth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, as soon as dawn was seen, and the morning shone with its shine and sheen, the horsemen ran to their spears full keen, and King Afridun summoned his chief knights and nobles, and invested them with dresses of honour, 
and drawing the sign of the cross on their brows, incensed them with the incense which, as aforesaid, was the skite of the chief patriarch, the Cohen, the Heresiarch. This incensing done, he called for Luca bin Shamlut, surnamed the Sword of the Messiah, and after fumigating him and rubbing his palate with the holy myrrh, caused him to snuff it and smeared his cheeks and anointed his moustaches with the rest. Now there was no stouter champion in the land of Rome than this accursed Luca, nor any better at bending of bow or sway of sword or languid lance on the day of devoir. But he was foul of favour, for his face was as the face of an ass, his shape that of an ape, and his look as the look of a malignant snake. His presence was grievouser than parting from the beloved make, and blacker than night was his blackness, and more fetid than the lion was his breath for foulness, more crooked than bow was his crookedness, and grimmer than the leopard was his ugliness, and he was branded with the mark of the infidels on face. After this he came up to King Aphrodon, and kissed his feet, and stood before him. And the king said to him, I desire thou go out against Sharkan, king of Damascus, and son of Omar bin al-Nu'uman, and deliver us from this affliction. Quoth Luca, Harking and obedience. And the king made the sign of the cross on his forehead, and felt assured of help from heaven being near hand. Then Luca went out from the presence, and the accursed one mounted a sorrel horse. He was clad in a red robe and a hauberk of gold set with jewels, and he bore a trident spear, as he were Iblis the damned, on the day of drawing out his host's war to Darain. Then he rode forward, he and his horde of infidels, even as though they were driving to the fire, preceded by a herald, crying aloud in the Arabic tongue and saying, who sect of Mohammed, upon whom be the salutation and salvation, let none of you come out by your champion Sharkan, the sword of al-Islam, lord of Damascus in Sham. Nor had he made an end of speaking, when arose a tumult in the plain. All the people heard the strain, and the whole moving bodies of the armies twain called to mind the day of complaint. Then the cowards trembled, and all next turned toward the sound, and lo, it was King Sharkan, son of King Omar bin Al-Nu'uman. For when his brother, Sau al-Makan, saw that accursed one push out on the plain, and heard the pursuivant, he turned to Sharkan and said to him, Of a surety they seek for thee. Said he, Should it so be, it were most pleasing to me. So when they made sure of the matter, and heard the herald crying in the plain, Let none of you come out against me save Sharkan. They knew this cursed Luca to be champion of the land of Rome, who had sworn to sweep the earth clean of Moslems. Now he was one of the greatest of villains, a wretch who caused hearts to pain, and the Dalamites, Turks, and Kurds dreaded his might and main. Presently Sharkan craved at him like a lion angry grim, mounted on a courser like a wild gazelle flying snell and slim, and coming nigh to him made the spear he hent to shake, 
as it were a darting snake, and recited these couplets. I have a sorrel steed, whose pride is fain to bear the rein, shall give thee what thou likest not, and make thee feel his mane. I have a handy limber spear, full bright and keen of point upon, whose shaft the dam of death her throny seat hath ta'en. I have a trenchant glaive of hind, and when I bear its face of scabbard veil, from out its brow the race of Levi reign. Luca understood not the sense of his speech, nor did he apprehend the vehemence of the verse, but he smote his forehead with his hand in honour of the cross drawn thereon, and kissed it. Then he couched his throw-spear and ran at Sharkan. But first he tossed the javelin with one hand in air to such height that it was lost to the spectator's sight, and, catching it with the other hand, as do the jugglers, hurled it at Sharkan. It flew from his grasp like a shooting star, and folk clamoured and feared for Sharkan. But as the spear flew near him, he put out his hand and caught it in full flight to the amazement of all who saw the sight. Then he shook it with the hand that took it, till it was well-nigh broken, and hurled it so high into the welkin that it disappeared from view. As it descended he caught it again with the other hand, in less than the twinkling of an eye, and cried out from his heart-core, saying, By the truth of him who created the sevenfold skies, I will assuredly make this cursed wight a byword for mankind to despise. Then threw he the throw-spear at Luca, who thought to do as Sharkan had done, and put forth his hand to trend it in mid-flight. But Sharkan prevented him, and sped at him a second throw-spear, which smote him, and the point fell on his forehead, in the very centre of the sign of the cross and Allah hurried his soul to the fire and dwelling-place dire. But when the infidels saw Luka bin Shamlut fall slain, they buffeted their faces, and they cried, Alas, and woe worth the day, and called for aid upon the abbots of the monasteries. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section 32 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 2 Read by Lars Rolander